So here's a complete insight from one of the last Division One country. Tell us about some of the pathways in Florida. So let's go ahead, Rob. Let's dive right in. So I, I guess my, my take home, you know, I, I was down in Florida for about 10 days. Um, and I got an opportunity to be around some teams and, and watch some games and, and uh, actually coach as a volunteer coach. Um, and I guess my biggest, my biggest realization and what really helps me when I watch games is I start to realize how difficult it is for a lot of young people to focus and not only focus, but to be consistent in their focus for long periods of time. So you may have a kid that's a superior athlete, great athlete, um, great raw abilities, five tool players, but mentally they just don't have the ability to lock in. And then when they do locked in, they're not locked in long enough. And there's this inconsistency in their ability to, um, to do what they need to do. So I, I think that's like one of my main, you know, my main take homes. And I guess if you know me, I'm always trying to figure out ways in which to help kids, help players, help, help athletes, um, get in the zone sooner and then stay in the zone longer. And I think that's such a hard thing to do also because we're combating, you know, technology a lot with like text and instant feedback mm -hmm. and everything. It's like, ping, it's the next thing. Um, and I think even now you're noticing like movies and TV, like people don't even watch movies that much anymore because it takes a lot longer. That's you know, true. everything <laughs> is like it's television, mm -hmm. it's a short video on YouTube. And I don't think that's doing, you know, children any favors as far as concentration is concerned. Because mm -hmm. if you look on the other side of the world, you know, in Japan, and they're able to concentrate at practice for like four, five, six hours. Yes. Which, you know, here I think you would say, yeah. You know, that's absolutely crazy. You can't do that. That's impossible. You right. can do that, but you have to train your focus like it's a muscle. You can't just, you know, okay, just think, world, you know. It's like, it's, it's like a muscle. That's, that's very well said. It's, it's, focus is like a muscle. And just like any other muscle, you have to, you have to, it has to go through uh, tests and it has to be tried. It has to be, uh, the adversity has to, has to happen. The tearing has to happen so that it can actually grow. And I think, yes. um, I think in, in a practice regimen, we have to begin to start to introduce a lot more stress into the practice environment and make the practice environment a lot more like the game with stress, with consequences, with uh, not just feedback on mechanics, not just feedback on movement sequences, but feedback on, okay, you, you checked out <laughs> for like right, 20 hello. For like 20 minutes in this 60-minute session. Yeah. And the other part of it, I, I believe, and you're seeing, you're beginning to see the players at the collegiate level who are like generation early verbal. Explain what you mean by that. So generation early verbal is now playing college softball. So all the kids that were verbaling early five years ago, four years ago, yeah, three years ago, two years mm -hmm. ago, are now the players who are playing on the fields if they're even playing. That's another yes, story. If they haven't already transferred. <laughs> um, yeah, there's that. Um, and now what happens is, yeah, they were awesome in eighth grade. They were awesome in eighth grade. 
you gave them a scholarship offer at ninth grade. They never got better after ninth grade. And now they're on your team because you because you committed them and you stayed true to your commitment. Now we're seeing, look how many no-hitters we have and it's already March. Have you yeah. seen that? It's pretty crazy. Like, I've never seen that many no-hitters. I've, I've just never seen that. And it's already March. What the heck? So early. What what the heck's going on? So I know what's going on. We're seeing. Hey, pictures! Okay, pictures. Okay, calm down, pictures. <laughs> but but seriously, but seriously, like like we're starting to see how bad development is, is really has gotten in this immediate. I gotta make my video in seventh grade. I gotta get on campuses in eighth grade. I gotta like why. Let's see if you're good. Wait till 10th grade. Are you still good? I mean, we would hope so. But oh, we we hope so, but that's, that, that's not always... I mean, I mean, Julie, there's that, there's, that, there's that 3% of athletes that you can commit as an 8th grader because you know. But that's not... That, it, it just got crazy. Uh, no, I know. I talked to both you know, Michelle Smith and Danielle Henderson, two Olympic gold medalists, and they had said if the environment was... Then the way it is now, neither of them would have played collegiate softball. You see that? Because they both developed. You know, Michelle Swift didn't start pitching until she was like fifteen. Danielle until she was like fourteen. So wow. think, of, think about that. Think about it. It's wow. mind blowing. Wow. You know, it comes down to it because we do have kids that peak very early, and then we do have kids that peak later. You know, and that's that's just. It's crazy, but then I think going back to what you say, like then there's also some kids who mentally peak later and mentally peak early, and of course that informs the physical aspect of your game. Oh my gosh, <laughs> that was good. <laughs> that was good. People do peak, peak, and I think mental skills, and it is a skill. Yes. Um, and I always tell my hitters, I say, look, okay, hitting is for smart people. Swinging, anybody can have a swing. Yes. You understand? But hitting, I don't want to teach you how to swing. I want to teach you how to hit. And being able to hit is going to cause you, you have to have the ability to, it's a chess match. It's not checkers. It's chess. It's chess. And you have to be strategic. You have to have, you have to understand the difference between a game plan, a strategy, and understand what the differences are. So that you you're able to put yourself in a position, so that your strengths are magnified and your weaknesses are min, are minimized, and yes. that that's something that is taught, learned, and it's it's a part of it's a part of being as being a self aware athlete. As a self aware athlete, I know my strengths, I know my weaknesses, and I want to try to put myself in a position where my strengths dominate my process. My intent is always based on what my strengths are. And that's going to dominate my process as a hitter, you know. And, and I think that's something that you know um, will elude you. But we also have more people doing instruction now than we ever had before. Too, there's more instructors. I'm, I'm putting up air quotes. Can you see me? There's a <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot more instructors, and the average parent doesn't know the difference between a good or a bad lesson. No, they don't. They don't. They don't know the difference. Um, the average parent, the educated parent does because they understand the entire picture and what that looks like in, in a session. So coming up, I, I was taught how to give a lesson. Yes. It wasn't just because I played baseball that, I, that, I'm, that I'm a good teacher and I'm a good instructor. 
That has nothing to do with it. Nothing to do with it. It's people skills, it's social skills. It's actually your your knowledge has very little to do with it, and your people skills have a lot more to do with it. Your ability your ability to be relatable makes what you know what you know obviously is important, but your ability to be relatable to the athlete makes what you know more attainable and easily um, understood. And from the understanding, translates it to practice, and from practice, translates it to on field. And that's something that I mean, I've been I've been doing it for how long? Oh, it's been a long time. I'm not gonna say how long, but it's been a long time. <laughs> Put it like this. A lot, put it like this. I'm seeing a lot of my my former players coaching in the collegiate coaching in the collegiate ranks now, and I'm like, and I'm like, what are you doing here? Get off! What are, you can't be a college coach. <laughs> I that. I feel like that makes it, that makes me so proud. It makes me just as proud to see them do that as it does to see them throw no hitters and play at a super high collegiate level because it becomes a culture of good instruction and love of the game. And I think that's so important, especially because you can do instruction and you can say, well, you know, I'm making this much money with this many kids and I could get 20 kids in the clinic and I could do this and that. And like, you could not love it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I, I think that a really important point that I've kind of heard now is that you know, with, with so many lessons for so many different parts and everybody specializes in this and that, you know, we're wondering, are we killing kids' instincts athletically? You know what I mean? Taking things and breaking them down so much, so much, so much, you know, are we taking that and we're, we're squashing the instinct and we're making them, you know, almost perfunctory until they move? Because we yeah. have to... Build that like animal attack mode. You know what I, I mean? I'm going to say this, and you are so on the money right now. Spot on. I've gotten to the point now where I'm talking less and less and less about mechanics in a lesson or in an instructional session because I need my athletes to be free, athletic, and fast. And sometimes when they're focusing on the specific movement for too long in a session, it becomes about the movement and it becomes more about the movement and less about the, com the competing and the performance. I need you to have a mindset to compete, to beat that person, the other person. Not a mindset of, is my foot closed? Is my front leg? Is my back so... It what? Hit the ball. <laughs> You, you did all that and you forgot to hit. <laughs> you get you get what I'm saying? I do, and I think... I so you're so, you're so on the money on that one. Oh, my God. What's so funny, though, is my dad used to say, like, you know, sometimes they would they would just go out and play, like, in a group. They said, like, okay, you know, well, we only have three people, so you can only hit to right field. You know what I mean? And that was just a natural part of the game. You only have three people, so you can only hit to left field. And that was just a natural part of their playing growing up. So then in a game situation, if you needed to just hit to right field, you know what I mean? Because that was how the game was on the line, and that's what you needed to do. That's just in your instinct. It's, like, built in, as opposed to, like, okay, we're going to break it down, and we're going to talk I about it. I love what you just said. <laughs> I'm going to actually use that one. <laughs> Next week's going to be right field week. Or better yet, better yet, opposite field week for the lefties. It's opposite field week. 
Next week, opposite field week. I don't care what's going on. Everything's opposite field. If you can't handle it, go home. That's it. We're doing it. You become a good team player, I think, as well, and it's not just about you because it needs to be both, I think. But if there, you can you can do that and make great games for your team through that situation. Absolutely, today. absolutely, absolutely. It's crazy. So now I want, I want you to tell us from a hitting standpoint what it is that we as pitchers do that make it too easy for you guys. That where we're just like. You know, we're just like handing it to you. I know that's a tough one. No, it's not. It's not a tough one at all. Because I'm gonna tell you what I tell my hitters. There's a there's a posture that needs to to be evident in every relationship. That's a relationship. Picture picture hitter is a relationship. It's not usually a good family friendly one. It, sh- well, it shouldn't be. <laughs> It shouldn't be a friendly one. But I always tell my hitters, I said, look, if, if the pitcher is more of a B than you are, you lost. You're done. You're done. So you have to, and I, I want my hitters to be on the plate, toes to the line, to the chalk, and literally try to intimidate the pitcher from coming inside. I love it. Because if she does come inside, she has to be a little more perfect so she doesn't, one, hit you. Or two, throw you a fatty. And it tells the pitcher, it's body, it's body language. I have no respect for your ability to come inside on me. And I'm super, super, super confident in my ability to hit whatever you throw inside. <laughs> so now a hitter can, 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 can literally pull. Because now what's middle for the pitcher is now inside for me. What's outside part of the plate, like on that yellow part is now, I can still pull that if it's up in the zone. You get So I have less choices to make and less decisions to make because I'm closer to the plate. Because I'm pulling, it's like, I think I, I did the math, it's like 72, 28 or whatever it is. In terms of like, what percentage of what I'm going to pull and what I'm going to go middle with and what I'm going to go oppo with. It's like really, it, it increases. The, so there's a lot of things that, that, that happen just in that part of the, 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 the battle. Like, yeah. If I sense that you have this much fear or doubt as a hitter, because maybe you're looking in the dugout every two seconds, you're looking for your dad every two seconds, oh, you're done. You're fidgeting. You're done. You're looking frustrated. You, you know? are yeah. done. And I think that's the key. And, and when, you, when I talk to hitters and ask them questions about, okay, how do you know when you're going to beat a pitcher? Like you watch a warm-up, you're like, oh, I got her. Ah. You know. I'm but telling you. This is happening with good coaching. I'm telling you. So it's, there's a lot of different things that you know, but that that's really the biggest one. It, it happens way before the game starts. It happens with you know, it happens um, not in, in an actual pitch, but it, it happens. It's pre-pitch, in between pitches. You know. And, I love that. I love that, and I think it's also it's it's so interesting that that's very true in the animal kingdom too. You know what I mean, like. Dogs posture with one another for dominance, yes. right? 
monkeys do that? You know, I mean, it's kind of, it's amazing how that integrates into sports and how that, like, I mean, I just think it's one of those things, again, because sometimes kids don't have instincts. They're not as aware. I mean, it, I mean, if you ask, I usually, usually when I'm working with big hitting groups, I have pitchers in my group and I'll ask pitchers, I'll say, pitchers, can't you look at a hitter and tell you're going to get him out? Yes. I mean, so it's the same way with a hitter. I can look at you and just tell, yeah, I'm definitely going to hit this. Whatever you throw me, I can look at your body language and posture and how you carry yourself. And I know for a fact that I'm going to light you up. I'm sizing you up. I'm sizing, I'm sizing up my opponent. Yes. You have to do that. It's so too. And that becomes part of then that blueprint you have for success and that visualization. Because if you go in there thinking, okay, I'm going to hit the crap out of this girl, then the placebo effect starts happening. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And the placebo effect isn't really, you know, a placebo effect. Like all this research shows, you know, if you go in there and you're like, I'm going to hit the crap out of this ball, then most of the time you are going to hit the crap out of the ball because that's the way your mind has already made a blueprint for it. You understand that success is within reach. So that's true. That's true. And you know, you know what else happens though? This is this is good. This is a good conversation. So this is what else happens. What else happens? A pitcher's got the first two innings. She struck out five and popped the girl up. So she's she's like, poof. The momentum is clearly on her side. It's a nothing nothing game. It's the second inning. It's the, th the two innings are complete. She's faced six batters. Struck out five. Popped up one. She's on fire. Yeah. The other team, the other team feels like, oh my gosh, this girl's so good. She struck out our number three hitter. She struck out our leader. She struck out our best player. Mm. Now the rest of the team feels like they can't do it. That's right. But then that one number seven hitter gets a lucky double in the gap. It's important. The so wait, <laughs> right, right, but, but. That lucky double in the gap, and it's clearly lucky, yeah. right? If she doesn't get this next batter out, it's a wrap. She has to bounce back. She has to bounce back after that double and get the out or the strikeout. If she doesn't, that team's going to bat around. I promise you that team is going to bat around because now she just gave the, other, the, other, the rest of the hitters hope and, and, and confidence. And I love that because I think that's something that we don't talk about enough in softball. It's big in baseball. Is like who has the momentum? Momentum. You know what and, I mean? And we momentum. Momentum. Softball is one hundred percent momentum. But watch this though. <laughs> watch this. Softball is one hundred percent emotional momentum. One hundred percent. And I'm gonna tell you. I'm, I'm gonna go a step further. I can walk into a tournament. And I can just look at the parents' faces and parents' body language and tell you which team is losing and whose kid either stinks or is benched or is not playing. Because usually a child's uh, esteem is based on their parents' esteem. They're feeding off of that energy. So... Because parents, the only thing a parent can be is outcome is outcome oriented. It's very difficult for a kid to be process oriented. It's even harder for a parent to be process oriented because a parent is not really living the process. That's they're not true. doing the T work and they're not doing the drills and doing the, doing. The, you know, they're part of the process in terms of like funding everything and driving kids places. Like that's their contribution. So 
I want outcomes. You went, what's going on? Team? I don't want to hear team. I don't want you to sacrifice bunting every time you get up. We pay big money for that. Team? What's this team stuff? You get it? But isn't that crazy? I feel like that's something that's changed too because I feel like when I was learning, uh, most of the time, I felt like I spent like 70 70 of the time working with my dad, even if it was just practicing and doing reps and reps and reps, and maybe 30% of the time learning from outside sources, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But I think that's flipped a lot because of, you know, everybody's got instructors and everything. So, you know, that, that I think also is there's like a shift in the process a little bit, you know, and I feel like with, with, um, you know, my foster kids, even if it's a sport I suck at, I'm like, okay, I'm going to play it with you. You know what I mean? Because Mm -hmm. I, I want to understand the process, even if I'm not good at the process, because I do think the process is as important as the outcome a lot of the time, like in math. Well, I I think, I think, I think it, it, um, people say that we, you know, we want our athletes and we want to be more process oriented or more process driven and less outcome driven because being outcome driven is a dangerous thing meant for the mind and, and for the emotion. Yeah. Being process driven is a safer, helps you to be more consistent, helps you to really, you know, so if I'm emotionally connected to the outcome, I'm in trouble. Yeah. Especially as a hitter, because what seventy percent of the time I'm gonna not get it done. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so like that's 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 almost like that's crazy. But but if I'm process driven, that's the controllable aspect of it. Because I hit a I crossed I had a great at bat, and I, I I forced the pitcher to throw eight nine ten at bat. I made it out, but my process was awesome. I was a great at bat. And if I can't truly appreciate that at bat. And I'm never going to be able to be consistent because that's not the right mind. That's not the right mindset of a consistent hitter. But that's the other reason why I think it's so important for parents and coaches both to sort of control their emotions as much as possible. Because if the outcome isn't what they get, and the coach is like sulky or like oh, well, you know, immediately, even if the process was good, then the kid becomes more outcome driven and is just sort of. Like, so, so you know, here's what I'm gonna say, and, and this, there's this. Um, and you guys can look it up at home. Um, it's called it's called the QAB, um, and QAB is what they, what we call in, in hitting. They call it a quality at bat. Okay, so a quality at bat, um, and some teams have it posted in the dugout. You know, some teams have it. Uh, uh, it's a they keep they keep it keep it as an internal team stat. So they say if you have 13 quality at bats in a game, you're going to win the game. So that's that's a quality oh at bat God. would be a quality at bat would be a hard hit ball and a bat where you move a base runner, a sacrifice bunt, a walk. There's like this different if a, a eight a, a, a eight pitch at bat, um, a sack fly. So there's like a whole bunch of them, right? And then you get. Okay, if we get 13 of these, we're going to win. I love that. So I now, that. th- that's that's totally about the process. That keeps your team focused on process and not outcome. Um, and it's a safer place to keep to keep your kids, you know, more locked in and invested into the team concept mentally. And I, and, and, and it's just an, it's just an amazing um, uh, approach to the plate, having that whole quality. And, and I, I actually have a chart that I can actually send you that teams can use in this equality of that chart charting system, a quality of that, I call it a QAB system. 
and then you, right. you and then the kids are coming in. Okay, that was a QAB. So my goal right now is to have a QAB. Oh, that's it. Awesome. My, my goal is not to get a hit. My goal is not to get a hit. My goal is to have a QAB. You know what? And I think that's true from a pitching standpoint as well, because there's a lot of the time when you could throw a terrible pitch and just sort of luck out and she swings and misses, mm -hmm. or you could throw a really good quality pitch and the umpire doesn't call it, mm -hmm. you know, or you could, you could work the batter very well and then she just gets lucky, you know? So right. it's, it's sort of, I mean, I think that's just such a better way of approaching it, like do it from a quality standpoint and say, okay, you know, if I, if I gave this everything, then, you know, if, if the outcome isn't exactly what I need it to be, then it's good. And I'm going to keep my emotions in check with that. Because right. you could see, you know, the more emotional parents have, the more emotional kids. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And the more emotional coaches, and I'm not talking about the hard-nosed coaches who are really pushing the kids. I think that's different. I and and I, think, good. I think sometimes because we're so competitive, emotion, emotion, um, the emotion can drive my, comp my competitiveness. Oh, no, but on the, on the flip side of it, emotion can also hinder me. Hindrance. It can hinder. It can be a hindrance. So there's, there's a balance, and, I, and so I think so let's let's pretend I'm a third base coach, and I have a batter who hits, who has like a 10, 10 pitch at bat. She's fouling off, fouling off, battling. The pitcher's battling. It's a really great battle. And at the end, my hitter and I'm the, I'm the third base coach now. My hitter strikes out. I'm like. Oh, but right after that, I'm like, oh, gosh, great at bat. Great job. Great job. Yeah. Way to fight. Yeah, I'm disappointed that you didn't get the win because I wanted you to win that battle. But great job. Yes. Yes. You, you get it? So it's that's. Yeah, because we want I wanted you to win that. I was pumped. I was fired up. The team was fired up, but you didn't get it done. Okay. Next time, great, that was a great at-bat. We need more at-bats like that. And then it gets the other team to understand that they don't have to be afraid to fail. Just fight. Just battle. Just compete. And, we're, we're, and most players, you know, I'm finding that, that there's not that many competitors. And you, you, you can go to a third-grade dodgeball game. Oh, sorry. They don't even let the kids. They don't even let the kids play dodgeball anymore, by the way, just so you know. It's like, it's like illegal in school now. It's like crazy. So forget about that. Forget about that analogy. <laughs> but you can, you, but, but, but you, you can see a competitor, someone who's competitive is just, they're just competitive. They just want to win. They just hate losing and they just want to win no matter what. And we need more competitors. And if your team has three or four competitors on, 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 that, on that team, no, no matter what anyone says, a pitcher has to be a competitor. There's no way you can get in the circle and just pitch and throw pitches and throw spins and just and you're gonna beat good teams. You're gonna beat mediocre teams. But you have to be, there has to be something inside of you. There's that face that when you watch the World Series, the women's college world series, and they zoom in on like Daniel Laurie's face or Stacey Nelson's face, and they zoom in on and they got that face, you're like, this girl is not going to lose. Look at her face. She's there's no way she's gonna lose. Like, well, I don't know. I feel like before games, I always used to get like almost it felt like Fire. I can't explain it. Yeah, I know you can't explain it, but you know what I'm talking about, though. There's a, there's a yeah. face that a competitor has that's like, oh, it's relatable to people who, com who compete. Because you can look at your at that player's body language and their posture and, and, and their aura and their swag, and you can say, she's getting ready to get it done. And on the flip side, parents, ask yourself this question. 
True or false? It's not a question now. It's a true or false question. <laughs> it's, still, it's still a question. True or false? Do you know, true or false, you always know when your kid is getting ready to have a bad at bat when they're in the on-deck circle. A parent always knows when their kid does not have it that day. Because they can see it. They know their kid. Oh my gosh, she's getting ready to suck. <laughs> I'm getting ready to go to Dunkin' Donuts. I'll be back in the fifth inning. Hopefully, hopefully some, some miracle happens. But she does not. I can look at my kid. It's my, I know my kid. It's, she's not, she doesn't have it. She's done. Every parent knows what I'm talking about. And as coaches who know our kids, who know our kids that we coach, we know when they walk into the door that day, something's up. Yeah. Something's I up. I think in coaches and players alike, the one thing you see where you know they're both done, either end or where it brings <laughs> down the rest is watch just this one motion. It goes like this. It's like, you're yeah. done. You know what I mean? Like, right. you see, like, I've seen coaches do that where you can see it brings the whole team down. Like, there's this one big play. You know, the game is still attainable and then the coach is like this and then everybody looks to the coach you know what I mean and then that's that's it that's done you know what I mean? <laughs> it's yeah. that body language that's true that's it's, true it's in the animal kingdom it's in body languages body language is, 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 is the real key to that to that kind of thing so you know for, for me like what I try to do to make my my um my hitting sessions a lot more competitive is um I want everything to be intent driven only not mechanics-driven, especially in a certain time of the year, like like now. Because I'm like, if you're swing, like if you don't got your swing together, it's March, people. If you if you don't got your swing together in March, you're never gonna have your swing together because it's you got September, October, November, December, January, February. It's March, and you we're still talking about like. Simple mechanics, something is wrong. Either I'm not a good teacher or you're not a good learner. And mm -hmm. you know I'm not, and you know that the, the first one I said is not true. <laughs> so, 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 so you either can't do it or you don't care enough to go home and get yourself to do it. Either way, so, so let's take what we got and let's make sure that our intent is dominating our process. I feel so much the same. That's why, like, with my online programs, I made three different ones. We have one that's designed for the off-season, one that's designed for the preseason, and now it's, like, the in one season. that's for in-season is five days of it. It's mental every day. Let me tell you it's something. That, that's, that's, I preach that. Like, there's three seasons. And every, when you come in in the off-season, it's a lot different. I'm a lot different. The environment is a lot different. Um, when you come in in the preseason... It's a lot different. And when we're in season, it's, obviously it's a lot different. Because now I need feedback. What's going on in the games? What's happening? Okay. Yeah. Let's make an adjustment. Yeah. How's that feel? All right, go play this weekend. <sighs> Give me a call if you need to. Give me, shoot me a text if you need to. But when you come back in next week, we'll see how that worked. And the in season is a lot more about making momentary adjustments. Not like come back next week and have this adjustment. <laughs> it's like you literally, you have to make that split. Adjustment in, in the game, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, 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 yeah, so, yeah, so it's so on the focus side of things. I think um, um, it comes down to practice. You got kids, you know. I, I, I have the um, the luxury, I guess, or I get to, I get to travel around the country and I get to see some of the top, Shall the top I? teams, 
the top teams play and top teams practice. And if I if I work with a mediocre eighteen U, and I've got air quotes again. Can you see my other finger? Here it is. <laughs> um, I have air quotes. If I work with a mediocre eighteen U gold team, and I'm not going to go into to why teams call themselves gold and why they don't, because there are no there are there's really no gold police. So there's no one to say you can't be gold or you can't. Be, but back in the days, gold used to mean that you qualified for gold nationals, ASA gold nationals. And you had the right to call yourselves gold because you actually earned the right to call yourself gold because you qualified for something special, which put you in an elite class of, 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 of caliber of team because you qualified for gold. Now gold just means that this is the best team in my horrible organization. Semantics. <laughs> yeah, that, that's what gold means now. So going back to what I was saying. So having, having the ability to compete or, or, or create more focus um, is when I see these elite teams, there's a lot less chatter going on in practice. The players are a lot more locked in. Um, just when they, even when they arrive, they're a lot more attentive to the instruction. They confirm that they understood the instruction with a head nod or a yes, or even in the South, a yes, sir, or yes, ma'am. So that, I think, ladies and gentlemen, is why coaches love to recruit from the south. Coaches love recruiting players from the south because they have one, they have respect, yep. they have manners, mm-hmm. and they they have gratitude. Mm-hmm. Not to say that the northeast yeah. players don't have gratitude, but they're not they, they're not expressive of it. So they come across as ingrates or not having any gratitude or lack of respect for authority or adults. Or what, or what have you, and that's something that I believe it or not, you can actually. That's obviously the, the kids in the south is it's embedded in the culture because they're taught that. Um, I've had a team. I, I was talking to a team. Um, I think I was in North Carolina or Atlanta or Birmingham. I forgot where I was, and um, I, I'm, I'm giving a, a hitting uh, talk, and one of the girls said, "Uh huh." And her mom came over and said, did you just say, uh-huh, what do you say? She said, yes, sir. <laughs> but, but because see, things, because, and, and see, see, these things have to be checked. That's how kids learn. Because in Southern culture, that's disrespectful. In Northern culture, it's not disrespectful. So when you watch the SEC, which is the best conference in softball right now, and you look at where those kids are coming from, you look at where those schools are located, Arkansas, South Carolina, Tennessee, Alabama, uh, Florida, uh, Missouri, Texas. That's the South. This is, this is a certain uh, uh, behavior that's required or expected from you. That's the dominant force in the culture. So even if you are, even if you don't have gratitude or don't have respect, in order to fit in, you have to have that now. Like my kids that are from the Northeast that went down to the South to play that weren't like that when they got there, now suddenly they're, they, they've, they've transformed themselves. Like they, now they, I'm like, is this the same person? Who are you? Who, what is this? You know, and I think, you know, that's something that I, I think, you know, we, we can do it in our households. It's hard when you got to go to a team and the coach doesn't reinforce it. That's, yeah. 
you know, but usually um, so if something's embedded in, into the subculture, then it's embedded into the subculture and there's nothing you can do about it. That's just, that's just going to be what you're going to be. It's going to be what you are. So, um, but going back to the, 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 um, the, the differences between the teams and, and the levels of focus that I, that I see just in practice. And I think, so for me, it's like, I want to limit the amount of chatter because I like to work out. I like, I like working in groups. So like groups of four, groups of eight. And I know, you know, and it's okay to crack a joke. We're picking up balls. There's a time to crack a little joke. That was funny. Ha ha ha. But then, okay, let's not get carried away and take it to a different level. So if we have levels of focus and we, and, and, and um, if you're at a level one and that's like in game focus, I'm locked in. Level two is on deck circle. Level three is I'm in the dugout, right? Level four is I'm on my way to the field or it's the night before a game. You know, we don't want to be at level 10 in a practice or a game, which is totally not even, not even here. And that's something that has to be managed by an adult, usually a coach who understands the, the importance of focus and the importance of making sure that my entire team is locked in. Because if we're not locked in, we're going to get beat. We're going to make mental mistakes. My, 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 that's where I've heard of kids, not kids, of coaches using, you know how they use um, clickers for dogs to sort of train them, mm-hmm. like to do that. Okay, like we click and now we're focused in, or we click, you know, and now because we did what we're supposed to do, you know, like almost like training them in that regard. So mm-hmm. as soon as they hear that, it's not like a yelling situation or like, hey, like let's get focused. That means now we're doing it, which is kind of an interesting thought to me from a psychology standpoint. Um, haven't tried it myself personally, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. but I do think it's an interesting concept on the whole. So you have to ask, you have to begin to ask your players, Hey, what level of focus are you on right now? Yeah. What level? And focus doesn't just mean focus on the field. Focus also means, okay. So if I have a game, if I have a game Saturday, let me go, let me back up. If I have a final exam on Saturday. I'm studying Monday, I'm studying Tuesday, I'm studying Wednesday, I'm studying Thursday, I'm studying, and if I have a final game, if exam is the final exam is on Friday, I'm studying Friday morning in the car on the way to, if I, if I feel like I need to, and that's focus. Yeah. Forget about going into the test and being focused. My focus started way back on Monday. Love that example. So, okay, now I have a game on Saturday. Okay? Yeah. These kids don't even pick up a bat. So I asked this question. Okay, when's the last... So do you practice your hitting? How many times did you practice this week? I practiced twice. No, not your team practice. How many times did you practice? Not team, not your team practice. You. How many times did you practice? Oh, um, uh, uh, yeah, exactly. So team practice is like going to class. Your practice is like going home and studying there's a difference there's a difference and and i think this i I call i tease my kids i'm like you guys are generation we won't practice you just won't do it you won't i need you to go home and do it not in your team practice that does not count you need time to work on your stuff for you just coming to me once a week twice a week doing it i think that's the other thing that misses that we miss sometimes it's like Shouldn't you go out and practice because you love doing it? Like, don't you yeah, love but, chasing five balls? This like, is a generation that needs. This is a generation that needs other people around when they do things. Because of the whole like Twitter and the whole Facebook. It's got. It's got to get captured. It has to be shared, and 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 then you need other people around 
because I can't just go in the garage by myself and take hacks. And, and there are people who do it. But there's less and less and less of those people. Whereas five, six, seven years ago, there were more. Ten years ago, there were a lot more. But they also had, they had less distractions. So now as, as, as coaches now, we have to figure out ways in which how am I going to get these kids significantly better when they don't even practice? That's well, hard. I think, yeah, I think that's why I do see in the future, like, things moving more towards, you know, online and hitting apps and hitting – because and, and that's why I was so passionate about doing it for my pitchers because I felt I feel like, okay, if you need that feedback or you need that practice, you know what I mean? Then okay, we set up a community. So now you post. Now show me that you practice. Now tell me you're accountable. Tell me how many reps. Accountability, accountability, but also it, it gets this involved. That's right. That's right. And that's just a distraction. It helps. It's helping. And it's funny because uh, on Sunday I did this. I did that clinic up in Hartford, Connecticut. Um, we, it was a power and vision class. And matter of fact, some of your students were there. Yes, I know. A couple of them. A couple of them were there. So they, uh, and I appreciated. I appreciated them driving that far away. I felt. Yeah. Um, honored that they would do that. Ones, yeah, they were very dedicated, and yeah. so you know, we we incorporated the phone into the um, into the practice session. And normally, they all these kids are always told, "Shut your phones off, put your phones away." And I told them to go and get their phones. They looked at me like, "Go get go get our phones, really?" <laughs> so they ran and got their phones. Like ran and got their phones before I changed my mind. <laughs> <laughs> and then we were, and then I was able to get them to go into the notes app on their phone and I wanted them to write down everything that I said so I would say okay pick your phones up write this down so they wrote it down or typed it they heard me say it they saw me demonstrate it and then they felt it there were four different modalities that we hit I love that. and then it's always with you and that's the, that's the, and that, that's the other part about about the reason why those apps are, are, are strong those those those, um, those those training apps because it gives you the accountability my phone's always with me um, if I'm in a car, I can I can check out of whatever else I was doing on my phone and go into that if I if I wanted to, um, and then I can go back and now 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 I'm documenting what I'm doing. Right. I'm documenting it. In so, that regard, it can be an asset, but it's a distraction for that thing. <laughs> right, right, right. So I mean, you know, it's a tool like anything else. So, but I know that you have to go, Rob, because you have practice. And we so appreciate all of this. It's just totally amazing. And there's some cool stuff coming up because you know we love to talk college recruiting girls. Um, soon, um, one of my athletes and I are actually going to be on television talking about it. We're very excited. Mm -hmm. And Rob and I are working on an online program talking about college recruiting in the works. Working, working, working. Um, so these are things that you will have to look forward to. But Anytime we can pick Rob's brain, that's something amazing to look forward to. Well, Thank I'm you so much. Thanks for having me. I'm, I'm happy to be able to share, and um, we'll talk soon. You got it. Okay. Talk soon. All right. Bye. Mm-hmm.